there are times when our regular workaday existence seems like a lot to bear. We often find ourselves drawn to beautiful promises of better worlds and divine bliss that are just out of reach, at least in this lifetime. In our next story, our second by the classic storyteller Yitzchak Leibish Peretz, we find Chaim, the hard-working porter, seeking comfort in the hope of heavenly reward. Chaim is led to realize that the advice from up above on getting two tickets to paradise may fall a little short when it insists on servitude and injustice, including to the one he loves the most. Mindy Sterling, who you may know better as Frau Fabissene, shows a little more Ziskite than her famed Teutonic Frau Bissenkite in this parrot's tale of love and liberation written in 1891. Domestic Bliss, Sholem Bais, by Yudlamid Peretz, translated by Eli Katz, and read here by Mindy Sterling. Chaim is a porter. When he trudges through the town, hunched beneath a case, he can hardly be seen. It looks as if the box were walking along on its own two feet. Listen to his heavy breathing. It can be heard a long way off. But now... As soon as he lays down his load and is given a few groschen, he straightens himself, wipes the sweat off his face, draws a deep breath, goes to the fountain, and takes a drink of water, and then runs into the courtyard. He stands beside the wall and raises his large head till the point of his chin and the tip of his nose and the brim of his hat are all on a level. Hannah! He calls. A little window opens just below the eaves, and a small female head in a white kerchief answers, Chaim! The two look at each other affectionately. Chaim tosses his earnings wrapped in a piece of paper, and Hannah catches them in the air. It's not her first catch. You're a wonder, says Chaim, without the least desire to leave. Off with you, Chaim, she says, smiling. I can't take my eyes off the sick child. I've pushed his cradle next to the furnace. I'm skimming the soup with one hand and rocking the cradle with the other. How is it, poor little thing? Better. Thank God for that. Where is Henya? At the seamstresses. And Yasla? In Cheder. Chaim lowers his chin and goes away. Hannah follows him with her eyes until he disappears. Thursday and Friday, such exchanges last longer. How much have you got there in the paper? inquires Hannah. Twenty-two groschen. I'm afraid that is not enough. Why? What do you need, Hannah? Uh, I'll need six groschen's worth of ointment for the baby, a few groschen for candles, uh, a Sabbath hull I have, and, uh, oh, yes, and meat, uh, a pound and a half, yes. Uh, let me see, uh, oh, wine for the kiddish, and some more firewood. I'll get firewood for you. There's sure to be some in the market. And then I need... As she lists what she still needs for Sabbath, it comes to this. One can say the Kiddush quite well over Chala, and that there are heaps of things that one can do without. But two things are indispensable. The Sabbath candles to say the blessing over, and the salve for the sick child. And when the children, God willing, are well and the brass candlesticks aren't at the pawn shop, and supposing there is even a pudding, Sabbath is a genuine delight for the couple. 
Hannah is wonderful at puddings. And though she is always short of something, either flour or eggs or a bit of oil, when all is said and done, there's the pudding. A sweet, succulent, altogether delicious pudding. It melts in your mouth. Cooked by the angel, says Hannah, smiling delightedly. An angel indeed. An absolute angel, Chaim laughs. You think you're not enough of an angel yourself? The way you put up with me and the kids? Well, the grief we all cause you, goodness knows. And all the times when I'm in such a foul mood. And never a curse do I get. You're not like any other woman. And some great joy I must be to you, too, huh? You and the kids in rags? What good am I? I'm no good at kiddish or the prayers, either. I can't even sing the Sabbath songs properly. But you are a good father and a good man, insists Hannah. I ask no better for myself or anyone else. God grant that we may grow old together, you and I. And they gaze into each other's eyes with such warmth and affection, and joy overflowing. It looks for all the world as if they were newly married, and the mood at table grows even more joyous. Directly after his nap, Chaim goes to the little synagogue to hear the reading of the Torah. A teacher expounds the law there to simple folk like himself. The room is hot. The face is sleepy. One man is nodding off. Another yawns loudly. But all of a sudden, when it comes to the right moment, when there is talk of the world to come, of hell, where the wicked are whipped with iron rods, of the shining Garden of Eden, where the righteous sit with golden crowns on their heads and study the Torah, then everyone comes to life again. Their mouths open, their cheeks flush, as they listen breathlessly to be told what the next world would be like. Chaim usually stands over near the stove. His eyes are full of tears. He trembles all over. He is all there in the next world. He suffers together with the wicked. He is steeped in the molten pitch. He is flung away into the depths of hell. He is forced to gather wood in barren forests. He goes through it all himself and is covered with cold sweat. But then, later on, he shares the joy of the righteous, the shimmering Garden of Eden, the company of angels, the feasts of the just, Leviathan, sacred ox. All good things appear so vividly in his imagination that when the teacher kisses the book before closing it, Chaim wakes up as if out of a dream, like one called back from the other world. <gasps> he gasps, for wonder has held him breathless. Oh, Lord, just a tiny bit, just a scrap, just a taste of the world to come for me, my wife, and my little ones. And then he grows sad, wondering, what's the use? What reward do I deserve? Once after the lesson, he went up to the teacher. Rebbe, he said, his voice trembling. Please, tell me what I must do to gain the privilege of entering paradise. Study Torah, my son, answered the teacher. I can't. 
study Mishnah or perhaps some commentary. Recite the Psalms. I haven't time. Pray with devotion. I don't even understand the prayers. The teacher looks at him with pity. What are you? He asked. I'm a street porter. Well then, mashamish talmidi chachumim. I beg your pardon? What does that mean? Be of service to the scholars at the study house. For instance, fetch them water every day toward evening so that the students may have something to drink. Chaim was overjoyed. Rabbi, he inquired further, and my wife? When a man sits on a chair in paradise, his wife is his footstool. When Chaim went home to say evening prayers, Hannah was sitting there reciting the prayer, God of Abraham, bringing Sabbath to its end. And when he saw her, he felt a tug at his heart. No, Hannah! He rushed to her and flung his arms around her. I won't have you be my footstool. I'll bend down to you and raise you up to sit beside me. We shall sit both on one chair, just as we are doing now. We are so happy together, like this. You know, Hannah, you and I, we are going to sit together. And God himself will have to allow it. That was the great Mindy Sterling reading Yud Lamed Peretz's Shulam Bayis, Domestic Bliss, translated from the Yiddish by Eli Katz.